0: Good morning, Clerks. Welcome back to another episode of The Clerk Commute.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Brendan, and this is Lauren, my co-host. Today, we'll be going through some important information for your family medicine block. Today's episode is on screening.
0: Thanks, Brendan. Screening is a large portion of family medicine, and there are numerous guidelines to follow, so it is important to familiarize yourself with them. Today's episode was edited by Dr. Elliot Lass, a family medicine staff physician.
1: All right, Lauren, today you're a CC3 on your family medicine block. Your preceptor asks you to go and see Mr. and Mrs. R. Mr. R is a 55-year-old salesperson, and Ms. R is a 50-year-old school teacher. They are here to discuss any screening that needs to be done because Ms. R recalls that her husband had to start some screening when he himself turned 50.
0: Great. So before seeing Mr. and Mrs. R, I would like to review their charts to see their past history, paying close attention to their previous vaccinations, screening tests, and most recent lab results.
1: That's an excellent first step. When you look at their charts, you find that Mr. R has no past medical history. His vaccines are up to date aside from his last tetanus booster, which he received when he was 46 years old, and his last colorectal screening was a fit test one year ago. He has been a smoker for 30 years. Ms. R has had diabetes for 10 years, but it is well managed according to her last blood work six months ago. Her vaccinations are up to date, and her last pap test was two years ago.
0: Okay, that was some really good information. Next, I would head into the room, introduce myself, and ask them how they would like me to refer to them.
1: Awesome. They respond saying that Mr. R and Mrs. R is perfect.
0: Okay, so I asked them what brings them into clinic today.
1: So Ms. R responds, and she says that she remembers when her husband turned 50, he had to start a new screening program for some sort of cancer, and now that she is 50, she wanted to come in to make sure she was up to date as well. She brought her husband along with her because he had not been to the doctor for two years, and she wanted to make sure he was up to date.
0: Great. As I would explain to them, it is really important for people to stay on top of their health, and she is certainly correct that certain cancer screening starts at the age of 50. Brendan. For the sake of clarity, why don't we focus on Mrs. R first, and then we'll move to Mr. R. I will be in character as a CC3 on my block.
1: Okay, sounds good, Lauren.
0: Okay, Mrs. R. There are a few key things we would like to focus on in terms of screening in the family medicine clinic. The first is routine cancer screenings, vaccination, and routine lab tests. Why don't we start with routine labs? Great idea. As a reminder, Mrs. R. has well-controlled diabetes, and her last blood work was from six months ago. It is recommended that adult patients with diabetes have hemoglobin A1c tested every three months if glycemic targets are not met, or every six months if glycemic targets are being met. And Mrs. R's case, her, in, in terms of her diabetes was well controlled, and so we would want to be screening her again now that it has been six months. For people who don't have diabetes, screening for diabetes should take place for everyone starting at the age of 40 or earlier if the individual has risk factors. Screening for diabetes is with an HbA1c or a fasting blood glucose. This takes place every one to five years, depending on risk factors.
1: Yes, exactly. And what about lipids? Who would you screen for lipids?
0: Yeah, so Mrs. R would norm- would probably be on a lipid lowering drug, a statin based on her age and her diabetes, and therefore her screening for lipids would be different. For a population without diabetes, we would screen for elevated lipids at age 40 for men and age 50 for women. This would start earlier if the patient has any risk factors for dyslipidemia. Screening is conducted with a lipid panel, which includes total cholesterol and specific subtypes of cholesterol and triglycerides.
1: Awesome, great work, Lauren. Let's move on to talking about Mrs. R's cancer screening. Yep, great work. All right, Lauren, let's move on to cancer screening. Remember that Ms. R responds saying that she had a pap test a few years ago, but she can't remember exactly when. She insists that she must be due for one today.
0: Right, so a pap test is part of the routine screening for cervical cancer. We start screening for cervical cancer at age 25, and we look for cell changes that may ultimately lead to cervical cancer. As mentioned in the beginning description, Mrs. R had a pap test two years ago, which was normal. We perform pap tests every three years in people with previously normal pap smears, so I will make, to, make a note to arrange a next one in one year for Mrs. R.
1: Awesome. And Mrs. R responds saying she is grateful as she does not like having them done. She asks you if she will ever be able to stop having a pap test as part of her cancer screening.
0: Right. So that is a great question, Mrs. R. According to the Ontario guidelines, we currently test until age 69. If at age 70 you have had three normal tests in the last 10 years, then we would be able to stop screening. Something else to discuss are HPV tests. We consider HPV tests for patients over 30 to look for oncogenic strains of the human papilloma virus and further triage abnormal pap results if anyone has had an abnormal pap test. HPV testing is not approved on its own as a screening test and should be only used in the event of specific results. A positive HPV test should be repeated at least three years apart, given that the results in the interim time would be unlikely to change.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Lauren. Is there any more cancer screening you'd like to discuss with Ms. R today?
0: Yes. Now that Mrs. R is 50 years old, she will need to start considering routine colorectal and breast cancer screening. I will start by discussing breast cancer screening. Mrs. R, has anyone ever talked to you about breast cancer screening?
1: She replies saying that she cannot recall no.
0: Okay. Well, now that you are 50 years old, the, On- the Ontario guidelines recommends that you start getting screened for breast cancer every two to three years with a mammogram, given that you are at regular risk. The screening regimen would be different for higher risk individuals.
1: Ms. R responds asking you to explain what exactly a mammogram is.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So a mammogram uses a machine to take an x-ray of the breast tissue. Since x-rays do not go easily through tissue, the machine has two plates which compress and flatten the breast to spread the breast tissue apart. This can cause some discomfort for women. The machine uses a low-dose x-ray to image the breast in an attempt to detect any potential breast cancers early when they are most treatable.
1: Ms. R wants to know a little bit more about the x-rays. Don't they cause radiation which can ultimately lead to cancer, she says?
0: Yeah, so that's an excellent question and one that we get asked quite a bit in the family medicine clinic. The amount of radiation that you will get exposed to is pretty minimal. In fact, one mammogram is equal to seven weeks of background radiation we are exposed to normally just by living. Many organizations have conducted risk analyses and have determined that the benefits of screening for breast cancer outweigh the minimal radiation exposure in mammography.
1: Ms. R thanks you for discussing this with her and accepts a referral to the mammography clinic. She has no further questions at this time.
0: Okay, so why don't we move on to talk about screening for colon cancer. Screening for colon cancer starts at age 50 or 10 years earlier than the age a first degree relative was diagnosed with colon cancer. For people like Mrs. R, at normal risk for colon cancer, you can choose between two screening options. The first would be being screened every two years with what is called a fecal occult blood test, also called a FIT, or you can have a flex sigmoidoscopy every 10 years,
1: Ms. R. responds saying that that sounds familiar. That must have been what her husband started a few years ago when he was 50.
0: Yeah, that is exactly probably what he started when he was 50. Mrs. R, do you have any questions about the FIT
1: test? She responds saying that a refresher would be great since it's been a while.
0: Absolutely. The FIT test is a test done at home, which is used to check for stool samples for occult, meaning hidden, blood. You only need one sample and you don't have to change your diet or stop taking any medications before the test. The samples are a bit of stool collected on the end of an applicator. Once completed, it needs to be mailed or dropped off to a lab. Getting this test regularly after age 50 allows us to detect colon cancer early when it is more likely to be cured.
1: Ms. R agrees to complete the FIT test and says she has no further questions. What vaccinations, Lauren, if any, would be indicated for her at this time?
0: Great. There is one vaccine that I would really like Mrs. R to receive. Since Mrs. R has diabetes, she is considered higher risk for pneumococcal infections like pneumonia. It is recommended that she gets a pneumococcal vaccine, therefore. There are two pneumococcal vaccines available. One is the Pneumovax-23 and the other is the Prevnar-13. For Mrs. R, the Pneumovax-23 would be indicated. She could also get the Prevnar-13, however, it would likely not be covered. If you wanted a patient to get both, The PREVNAR-13 would be given first, followed by the Pneumovax-23 eight weeks later. If a patient gets the Pneumovax first, the patient must wait a whole year before getting the PREVNAR-13.
1: Great. And some other high-risk medical conditions that would warrant the Pneumovax-13 include COPD, asthma, congestive heart failure, asplenia, liver disease, renal failure, and the immunocompromised population. If a patient does not have any of these risk factors, they can receive the pneumococcal vaccine at age 65 as opposed to age 50. Next, Ms. R asks whether she needs any screening for osteoporosis at this time.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Screening for osteoporosis is conducted with a DEXA scan. The scan would take place every five years for low-risk individuals, or every one to three years for moderate-high-risk individuals. Screening takes place at age 65 for all individuals, but occurs earlier for patients with risk factors. Most commonly, risk factors include patients who smoke cigarettes, patients who drink excessive alcohol, patients whose parents suffered from a hip fracture, and patients who have been on long-term steroid medication like prednisone. Mrs. R does not have any of these risk factors and so we will start screening for her at age 65 every five years years, unless her risk factors change.
1: Excellent. Why don't we move on to Mr. R. As discussed with Ms. R, Mr. R would need diabetes and lipid screening as we already talked about above. Next, you would probably want to make sure he's up to date with his vaccines. Is it time for him to get a tetanus booster, Lauren? And if so, how often should the shot be given?
0: Right, so most people get vaccinated against tetanus, diphtheria, in early childhood. Adults should get the tetanus booster every 10 years for continued protection. In addition, addition, adults should receive the Tdap vaccine once in adulthood. Many pregnant women and their husbands will get the Tdap vaccine when the woman is pregnant because they are able to pass important antibodies on the baby and provide protection at home before the baby is old enough to be immunized themselves against whooping cough.
1: Sounds good. Does Mr. and Mrs. R need the shingles vaccine at all?
0: Yes, the shingles vaccine is recommended for adults greater than 50 years old. There are two shingles vaccines, Zostavax and Shingrex. In addition, I want to remind everyone that in in addition to the shingles and pneumococcal vaccine and tetanus vaccines, Mr. and Mrs. R should be recommended to receive the influenza vaccines yearly during flu season. Finally, of course, if they haven't already, both Mr. and Mrs. R should be vaccinated against COVID-19.
1: Now, moving on to cancer screening for Mr. R. As mentioned, a FIT test is required every two to three years for colon cancer screening. Mr. R does not need to do another at this time, given that he had one done last year, which was normal. Mr. R is wondering how long he will need to keep doing these screening tests.
0: Yeah, so the test is recommended until the age of 74 for average risk individuals. That is, if there are no positive symptoms in the upcoming years.
1: Perfect. And is there any other cancer screening you would recommend for Mr. R, Lauren?
0: Actually, yes. I would like to do a lung cancer screening for Mr. R because he is between the ages of 55 and 74 and has a minimum pack year of third. sorry, A minimum 30-pack year smoking history. Lung cancer screening is done with a low-dose CT chest annually. Pay attention. This screening is different than other screening. In this type of screening, we do three scans, and if all are normal, then we stop.
1: Hmm. Yeah, lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer-related deaths for people in Ontario. The reason so many people die from lung cancer is that by the time it's usually diagnosed, the cancer is spread to other parts of the bodies or is too big to be managed surgically. This screening could allow us to find some lung cancers early when treatment has a better chance of working.
0: Mm-hmm. So that is all the screening tests that I would like Mr. R to complete.
1: Okay, but what about screening for prostate cancer. Is that something we do regularly?
0: Well, prostate cancer screening could be done with a prostate-specific antigen test, more commonly called a PSA test. However, it is not recommended that everyone gets it done. The PSA test is not specific to prostate cancer. This means that although a high PSA test may indicate prostate cancer, it would also be elevated in other benign conditions, including BPH, UTIs, recent ejaculation, prostatitis, and other causes. This means that the test comes back with a lot of false positives, which would subject the individual to procedures and stress. In addition, this test may in fact catch cancer, but depending on the patient's age and comorbidities, this cancer may not have led to the patient's death, death, and so this patient would undergo intensive therapy for something that would not have led to the individual's end of life. Given this information, the decision about whether or not to pursue PSA testing should be based on shared decision making after the potential benefits and potential harms associated with screening have been done. The strongest evidence for PSA testing is for people in their 40s or 50s, such that a baseline PSA can be established and future scores would be compared with this baseline level. Since Mr. R does not have any family history of prostate cancer and is not of African ancestry who are at higher risk, I would say that Mr. R's level of risk is low, and I would probably recommend against testing, but again, this would be a discussion.
1: Well, that sounds fair. Thanks for going over all of that with us today, Lauren.
0: No problem. So that's all for today, folks. Hope you have a great rest of your clerkship day. Don't forget to follow our Twitter account, at The Clerk Commute, for updated information on new episodes. See you around.
1: Bye.